Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Well, you'll notice on the, uh, on the wall a rather unusual uh, image, Nick at Night. Now, if you have children or grandchildren or you're not too old, you may know the television station uh, Nickelodeon and their nighttime series called Nick at Night. Well, we're going to take Nick at Night and move it to uh, Nick in the Morning, but uh, we'll keep it at this end. But it's really uh, this image right here has came uh, after seeing this series, a Christian musician took the theme and wrote a children's musical called Nick at Night. And this is the uh, actual cover of that musical. We're not going to sing the musical this morning. But we're going to look at a story about Nick. Nick in the Bible. Well, it's probably maybe you know him as Nick Odemus. But uh, it's a story of faith, a journey of a man finding authentic, genuine, life-changing faith. And that's sort of what we've been looking at in this whole series about firm foundation. But you see, Nicodemus actually was a man of faith in the beginning of the story. Now, once we read it, you, you, it kind of all fall into place. But Nicodemus had a faith, but it was based upon laws, rituals, traditions, really religious activity. A lot of people today think that religious activity is all it takes, just being religious and following some sets of rules. Now, it's nice to follow the set of rules, but you see, what you put your faith into matters. He was putting his faith in the Jewish system of laws and regulations and in religious activity. So he thought he was on a firm foundation, which is our series name, but actually it was on a crumbling one. Because you see, what you believe really matters. Because what you believe, as I've said each Sunday, uh, is it influences what you think, what you say, and what you do. So it's important. And so in this series, we have been looking at a series, uh, a group of doctrinal statements that help us to follow or doctrinal points or biblical stories that help us to understand what it is our foundation of our faith should be. And so today we're going to look at a story, and here's Nicodemus right here. Nick at night, uh, and that's, that's from a movie clip, and that's supposed to be the character playing Jesus there. But take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I also have it in the insert uh, as well. But John chapter 3 may surprise you, but it's, it contains two verses that are very well known. And one that is probably the most beloved and the most memorized verse in the whole Bible. And it's set in the context of the story of Nicodemus. 
Dick at Night. And the reason we call it Dick at Night, you'll pick that up in the first verse, as Jesus came to Jesus at night. So, follow along with me, either from your scriptures or the insert or both, uh, as we kind of catch this story up, and then we'll kind of walk through it a little bit. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, or teacher, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that's one of the verses you've probably heard of it. But how can you... How can anyone be born again when he is old? Nicodemus asked Jesus. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered him and said, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I have told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it is going, comes from or where it is going. So it is with so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. I assure you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you things about happened here on earth and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about things of heaven? No one has ascended into the heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And then this is the verse uh, in a different version that you may know, but this is the key verse here. For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This then is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And the people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Now, from this verse, we start off in the dark, at night. And even though it literally means he came at nighttime, most theologians and commentators say that it's also sort of a metaphor for Nicodemus being in spiritual darkness, that he was not walking in the light of truth as Jesus was talking. Now, from this, we find several different things. So let's just kind of jump on into this and five things that I think we can discover about Nicodemus that I think we need to evaluate in our own life to make sure that we don't have any Nicodemus characteristics uh, 
that's, that's, uh, that would hinder us from having this authentic, genuine faith. Well, I think we all could agree, especially from verse 1, it says he was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. So he was a religious man. Now, if you remember in the Old Testament and then in the early days of the New Testament, there were several different groups of Jewish leaders, but the two primary ones were Pharisees and Sadducees. And they combined together and they developed a panel, sort of a combination of the Justice Department and the, uh, uh, the Supreme Court and some other things combined together into a ruling body that they called the Sanhedrin. Now, the great Sanhedrin, which is in Jerusalem, had about 71 Jewish rabbis and leaders. They met every single day except for the Sabbath and festival days. They, they met, they discussed, and probably like our Louisiana legislature, do a whole lot, but they meet a lot. But they met and they made laws and regulations and they made all these rules for you know, the average Joe and Jill to obey. And so it appears that Nicodemus was one of those Sanhedrin men. He was a ruler, he was a Pharisee, and he was a big dog. He really was. Uh, and we'll find out later he was very wealthy. So we find Nicodemus putting his faith into the system of religion and religious activity. Again, there's nothing wrong with religion, if it's the right religion. But religion doesn't save you. It doesn't give you authentic faith. You know, it, it, we're talking about a vital relationship with God. And, of course, Jesus was coming and talking about different ways of coming to God. And that's why we have the second one here. Nicodemus was also a curious man. Now, you've heard the old saying, curiosity killed the cat. Well, there is positive and negative curiosity. But this appears to be the positive variety. And uh, I think it's something we need to look at. We need to be curious about the things of God. We need to be curious about seeking after truth. What happens to so many people, and you have to give credit to Nicodemus for this, even though he was stuck in tradition, stuck in the old ways, he was at least willing to kind of look outside the box and to see if there was some other truth out there. So that's good. He was curious. And I hope that you are curious too to continue to seek the fullness of God's truth. And that we don't just let our Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or whatever your, back, your traditions are cloud you and to put you in this little box where this is all I see is this is my little Baptist world or my little Catholic world or my this world. We need to make sure that only the Bible has the parameters that we have to look within, but to see. But Nicodemus, this religious, powerful man, was curious, and he came to Jesus. But we also find that uh, Nicodemus was confused. Some of you may be so a little confused here today. Uh, 
confused about exactly what it is that true faith is, what, what it means to be a Christian in today's world, but with biblical roots, how do, how do we do that? Because, you see, so much of the religious world around us pumps us with these ideas and thoughts about how we should live and how we should not live. And many of them are good, but many of them are not necessarily biblical. They're just traditions that have been tacked on over time. And this is in nearly every Christian denomination. So I'm not picking on anyone, and that includes Baptists as well. Nicodemus was confused because he had learned one way of operating. He says, this is the way you do synagogue. This is the way you do church. This is all he knew. And everybody agreed with it. Well, at least everybody in, in the traditional mindset, those who were, were following the patterns, everybody kind of just said, well, this is just the way we do it, and that's what we're going to do. There was really no life no vitality, no passion. They would just follow the rules. Going by the party line, doing the traditional things. But Jesus came and he shook things up. Now most of us think of Jesus, you know, as you know, kind and gracious and merciful who died suffering on the cross for us. But we forget that Jesus was really a revolutionary. He was. He turned things upside down. Even, even the people who followed Jesus, they would say, you, that's that group of people who've turned the world upside down. You see, we've kind of whitewashed that and kind of only look for the nice and gentle things and the sweet things. But Jesus was telling people straight up. I mean, some of the things he was saying, I mean, he had talked to those, some of those Pharisees and Sadducees say, you brood of vipers. Now, that's not a word, too many words we use, but I think you all picked up that that was not a have a good day concept. You know, it was not. It was. Jesus realized that the scriptures that we find in the Old Testament, the laws and the regulations that were given were valid and important. When they were written, they're valid and important at the time of Jesus. They're valid and important now. But the problem was is that they put, people began to put too much emphasis on the laws and not on the law giver. They began to, in a sense, as we've heard today, worship the creation rather than the creator. Nicodemus had learned from his earliest years. I mean, he had been, well, to be honest, he had been brainwashed from the time he was young of what it meant to be in a relationship with God. What does faith look like? Well, the, the Jewish religion gave him those parameters. Unfortunately, they had, over the centuries, for the last couple thousand years, had added on things and it focused in on certain things, but not on the other things. If you remember one time Jesus uh, affronted and accosted this one individual and says, listen, 
You're given all your tithes of rue and mint and all your properties, but you're disregarding the most important thing of the law, to love one another, to do these other things. People were putting the emphasis on religious activities and doing good deeds and thinking that was good enough. See, that's not authentic, genuine, life-changing faith. Many of you here may have been there. You may be there now. Sort of a little bit in a dry spell where you're just sort of going through the motions. You're coming to church, even though many of you are coming later and later. We, we voted on casual Sundays. That's why I don't have tie this, this summer. Well, casual Sunday, but that doesn't mean you can come in 10 minutes late. Okay, don't be so casual. Get out of your Sunday school classes, get out of the atrium, and get in here so we can start worship together. But the idea here is, is that Nicodemus was confused because Jesus was saying, listen, it's not about the rules and the regulations. He said, I didn't come to destroy them, but that's not what it's about. It's about being born again. It's about a relationship. It's about true faith. It's about walking in the light of truth. The religious leaders had taken the laws and they had just kind of slowly drifted off to the edge of darkness where light and dark, metaphorically speaking, kind of merge. And they were just sort of wandering in the darkness trying to read the scriptures, but read them in the dark. It doesn't work too good. Jesus came and turned the world upside down, turned it on the head and said, hey, it's no longer your rituals. It's no longer your traditions that get you in right relationship with God. God loved the world and gave his son, his only one son, that if you believe in him, of course, he was speaking in third person about himself. And I think Nicodemus picked that up. You see, Jesus was bringing in this, the new covenant. It wasn't wiping away the old. It was just fulfilling it. All the laws and regulations were designed to help you to live right. But you see, Jesus is the perfect example of how to live right. So we must follow, believe, and trust, and have a vital relationship with Jesus and allow that to color everything that we think, say, and do in order to have this new covenant, authentic faith. Because the old system no longer was in operation. Jesus brought in and ushered in this new covenant, even though it wasn't necessarily new in essence, it was just the focus was different and the fulfillment. Nicodemus was very confused about this. And he was upset. Some of you, in your in different areas of life, maybe in the, your political views, maybe in the uh, traditions of your family reunions, or maybe even in the way we do church, you, you're feeling like, well, the world is moving so fast and we're losing all our great heritage and our traditions and our way of doing things. And you may feel a little confused about how the, the things are changing. Now, much of the world is changing badly. 
But every generation, we must reevaluate our faith and how we operate so that it remains relevant. We don't live in the first century A.D. We don't live in 1600 A.D. We don't live in 1970 or 80 anymore. This is the 21st century, and there is a new way of, of operating that we need to, to look into, not move outside of the traditional principles of the Word of God, but think of how can we revitalize our relationship with God through Jesus so that it's not just religious activity. It's not just coming to services. It's not just sitting in a pew, which I think you should come sit in the pew. You should come to services. But that is not the essence of your faith. Sundays is a time for us to come and gather, to reflect on what God has done during the week, to celebrate that, and to share with one another this bond of love in Christ, and hopefully to influence others who are in that process getting to know God and to helping them along that journey. It's not a family reunion every Sunday. It's not just a time for you to come and feel comfortable and do just what you want to do. It's a time to be challenged, to grow. Many of us, myself included, are get, getting in the older age bracket. But we cannot get settled and say, I've done everything I need to have done. I know everything I need to know. No, you haven't done everything you need to do. And you don't know everything you need to know. And neither do I. It's a continual process. That's why we need to be curious about the ways of God, looking at the scriptures, looking at our church, our community, and seeing how can we develop a more authentic and genuine faith that is vibrant today. Not vibrant 30 years ago. Because many of us can look back, oh yeah, 30 years ago I was on fire for God, or I was, it was, it was right. But that, that was good. But today, we need to live today. We need to thrive today. We need to see. So, there is some confusion maybe in our churches today. There's some, certainly confusion in society today. Unfortunately, because many Christians have presented a not so positive image of the faith. They have many Christians. Now, none of you here, obviously, but those other Christians out there in the world, they haven't been loving God with all their heart. They haven't been loving one another. They haven't been bearing one another's burdens. They haven't been putting other people first. They haven't been talking, encouraging, and lovingly. They haven't been doing kindness and deeds. And they have been talking about Faith, like many people talk about politics, everybody has their own brand of politics and their own viewpoints. But just because you believe a certain brand of politics doesn't mean everybody else does or should. But when it comes to the scriptures, we do have a constant. We do have what God wants us to know. And that's what we can rally around is the truths, the principles of God's word but they must be 
explained in a way that people can understand. And that's why Nicodemus was a fortunate man. And I think all of you here can consider yourself fortunate men and women. Because every Sunday you have an opportunity to come and be in a Sunday school class, a Bible study class, where you can hear truth. You can share it. Every Sunday you hear me preach a sermon on truth. Now whether you particularly like my style or delivery, that's a different matter. Everybody's got their opinion on that. But every Sunday, I preach God's word, and I preach truth, and I call you to align yourself with that truth. Now, what you do with that is your, your position. But you are fortunate in that you have the opportunity to know what it means to have an authentic faith, how to do that, and to have an a avenue and a channel to reach that. But you have to get out of the spiritual easy chair and get out there and start growing, start ministering, start working. Nicodemus was fortunate in that he had Jesus there to instruct him and guide him in truth and faith. We have the Bible. You should be reading that every day. You should be studying it. You should be gleaning from it. You should be in a Sunday school class or a home group studying it. You should be here on the services learning more and more about God's word and then sharing and talking with one another how can we now live out God's word in 2018. How can we do that here in Acadiana that is going to let people see that there is a vibrancy, a hope the South has been called the Bible Belt for many years. And here in Acadiana, even though we're sort of on the edges, fringes of that, religion has been dominant here for a long time. And we can credit Roman Catholicism for that. There's a major emphasis of religion. But just like here, as in other areas of the South, it's easy to just kind of say, well, yeah, we're all religious here. We're all Christians. We're all this or that. Just because everybody's, you know, everybody in America is a Christian because you're born here. That's not true. You just don't become a Christian on authentic faith by going to church. It's more than that. And I want to challenge you to make sure that you evaluate yourself. Now, some of you this may not apply to at all. But you know people that it does apply to. But to some of you here, it's time for you to step out of your confusion, to step out of your traditional hold, your one way of thinking, and say, God, what do you want to do with this church, with my family, and with my life? Don't set the rules for yourself. Don't determine, tell God, well, this is how I want to do it. God, I want to do this, this, and this, and this. Hey, would you sign off on that and, and, and take care of that? Nicodemus, like many people today, were depending upon the religious attitudes of society, the religious nature, and just sort of the overarching things that, yeah, we're all good here. You know, it's okay. We're all good. You know, we believe in God. Yeah, we, we, you know, Jesus. Yeah, all that's good. But it's just 
mediocre. It's just sort of, eh. We need to be more than just, eh, in our life. We need to have a vibrancy, a joy. Of course, there's one more step that we have to go to before we can do that. Recognize we're a sinner in need. Nicodemus had that awareness brought to him. Now, but when you read the scripture, it doesn't actually say that, that and Nicodemus didn't say, oh, I'm a sinner, forgive me, Lord. We don't have that there. But the context setting up is that Nicodemus was clearly made aware that he was a sinner and that it wasn't laws and regulations. It was a vital faith that you must be born again. And that's a new experience. That's something that is fresh. And of course, I'm not going to get into all the doctrinal concept of what it means to be born in the baptism of the flesh and born of the spirit. We can, we can address another issue. But the idea here is, is that God is saying you don't come to faith by just living out your life and doing laws and regulations. There is something special, unique, and intentional that you need to do. You need to place your faith in God through Jesus Christ, that he is the one and only Son of God, and that you must make a choice to leave the darkness of night, which was where Nicodemus was, and to intentionally turn and move to the vibrancy of the light, the light of the truth that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. It is through Jesus and Jesus alone that we have the opportunity to have an authentic, genuine faith. But it's one in which we must also have a commitment to, a follow-through. Just saying, I'm a Christian, saying good things about God and Jesus is not enough. This idea of, of walking in the light, it means something that's active. It's vital. How you speak to people in your home, your business, and, you, and, the, and the way you go should be reflective of walking in the light. How you spend your money should be reflective of walking in the light of truth. You spend your money, you speak to people, you are honest and truthful, you're faithful to your family because that's what the light teaches and that's what the light does. It shows you the right path. But what good is the light if you don't walk in? All of you know the light. All of you know what it is. But are all of us walking in it? We can't be playing church anymore even though I'm not saying we all are, but across the board in Christianity, we've got to stop playing church, putting on religious masks and following through, just doing the same old, same old and thinking that something different is going to work. Nicodemus realized that he was a sinner and that he needed something in his life. Well, that's sort of where the story ends in chapter 3. And if it ended there, we'd kind of be on a kind of bummer note because we just don't really know. Even though 
you know, it was brought to it. But how many of you have shared, you know, with somebody about how to be saved and they just said, well, thank you, and they walked away and haven't made any decision? Just knowing the truth is not sufficient. It's the start of it. But you've got to step out of light, darkness into light and truth. So I've come up with a, a sixth one. Nicodemus, Nicodemus became a saved man. Now, I must admit, the scriptures does not clearly say that, that, that Nicodemus professed his faith in Jesus and was born again. And, it, and we, we don't have his, you know, like Peter and Philip and all those other ones. We have their statements of faith. But I've got two verses of scripture in the same book of John, just a little bit later down the road. That I think when we read those, I think it will open your eyes and realize Nicodemus completed this journey. He left the darkness of night and he came to the light of truth because of the way he lived and acted. Now, I think these are in your, yep, they're on the back side too if you want to look at those or turn to John 7. John 7. <clears throat> now, remember Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin, a ruler. They had control and authority over the temple police. That was, you know, security for the temple. And so keep that in mind as we read this. They gathered together. The temple police came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who then asked them, why haven't you brought him? Now, who is this him? Well, it's Jesus. You see, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and all of them had had enough of Jesus. They they were they hated him. They wanted him dead. And so they sent these policemen out and said, I want you to go out and arrest that Jesus and bring him back. Well, the temple police went out, but they came back empty-handed. And they were asked, why haven't you brought him? And then this is interesting. The police said, no man ever spoke like this. Then the Pharisees responded to them, are you fool too? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? This, but this crowd, which doesn't know the law, is accursed. Now, when they talked about that, like I mentioned about Jesus saying, you brood of vipers, that was a, a, a very harsh response. The Pharisees were saying to these police, man, you bunch of dummies. Look at all us Pharisees. None of us believe in that mess. And the people, they believe it, but they don't know anything. Are you fooled too? And he goes on to say, none of us believe. Well, that just kind of proves the fact that they didn't quite know because the very next sentence, Nicodemus, that's our friend Nicodemus, the one who came to Jesus previously, and being one of them, that's one of the Pharisees, he said to them, our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? And then they replied rather rudely, you aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied, Investigate, and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So each one went to his own house. They tucked tail and ran after they were confronted with that. Again, you have to kind of know the context. These were Jerusalem city dwellers. And them country bumpkin redneck Galileans, they don't know nothing. Are you, you one of them? Because Jesus was a Galilean. 
And so they were cutting Jesus down. They were and also accusing Nicodemus, which was one of them, because he confronted them with truth. When you shine the light in somebody's face, especially when they're waking up early in the morning from the dark, light doesn't please you because it's shocking from your situation. This is what we find here. But Nicodemus, I think this is the beginning of his coming out party. His coming out for Christ. Now let's just jump ahead to John 19. We're going to find another person that comes into this story. It starts off with verse 38. It says, after this. And what is that? Well, it's after the resurrection. I mean, after the crucifixion. So imagine yourself. 2,000 years back, you're standing on Calvary. You have just watched for six hours Jesus on the cross. You've heard it, and he had just breathed his last and said, it is finished. Darkness broke out, thunder broke out, an earthquake rumbled. All the Roman soldiers and everybody around there were scared to death. They said, get these guys down. So they began to take them down. And they were just going to throw them into some pits because criminals were unworthy of burial. And nobody would claim a criminal's body because they would be identified with that. But what happens? Our friend Joseph of Arimathea, now he's a new character in this story, but I'm sure you've heard it before. Joseph of Arimathea, and it has a description here, who was a disciple of Jesus. But this next one may describe some of us, but secretly because of his fear. Many people today are afraid to live out their Christian faith because not so much of the Jews, but of the religious or the world around us that people are going to accuse you of being a Galilean, a dummy, you know, somebody that's not, that don't know what's going on. But he went and asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Now, that means that he went before the guy who crucified Jesus and who had condemned him and says, hey, you know, uh, can, can, I, can I take his body? Which basically means, says, you know, he's, he's a friend of mine. I believe in him and I want to take care of him. That was dangerous. Now, Joseph was one of these Sanhedrin too. He was one of the big dogs. So he came and took Jesus' body away. Then verse 39, who comes back into the scene? Nicodemus. Again, with a description. Who had previously come to him at night. Also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Now, I looked up some, a study about how much that would be worth today. And the estimates are between 150 thousand to two hundred thousand dollars worth of Chanel number five that they would they were bringing or number five six hundred whatever it may be top of the line hundreds of thousands of dollars now do you think somebody who doesn't believe would invest two hundred thousand dollars into something and be identified with someone, Joseph of Arimathea, who is disciple of Jesus. 
worked in combination with him. To me, it's very obvious that Nicodemus was tired of being a secret disciple. And he had decided that he wanted to live an authentic, genuine, life-changing faith. He wanted to step outside of that. No longer in the night, he decided he's going to live in the light. And whatever that means, whatever that takes, whatever punishment or whatever blessing, he stepped out. He moved into the light. And so I think that we see the completion of this journey of faith. Well, now Nicodemus is no longer the guy who couldn't, couldn't imagine, couldn't understand about being born again, thinking he has to go back to his mother's womb again, to the, where he has an authentic, life-changing, genuine faith that even in the darkest of night, and he was in the darkest of night spiritually, he realized that Jesus was the light of the world. Jesus was there, he shared with him, and he made a decision. Nicodemus made his way out of the dark, out of the night, into the light. I think it's time for us to evaluate ourselves, to make sure that each one of us here, that we're not depending upon our religious activity or background or our church membership to guarantee our eternal salvation and our faith in God. If you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure of that, we're fixed to move into a time of invitation where I hope that you will literally stand up and come down here and move out of the night into the light and be born again. Or maybe you just want to say, well, I've already been saved but I've never made it public and I want to publicly shine my light. Maybe you want to come pray in the altar. Maybe you will say, well, you know, I want to shine my light as a, a genuine member of this church. I want to invest my life into this. Or maybe, as I mentioned, you need to be born again. Whatever your decision, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard in the message or read in the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.